If you're enjoying the show so far, please consider helping by supporting our show. Although never expected, any support for our show enables us to keep bringing the audiobook club to your ears. Thank you so much for tuning into the show and welcome to Season 2 of the Audiobook Club with John York. The Audiobook Club, partnered with Pro Audio Voices, celebrates audiobooks, the amazing people and teams who make them happen, as well as the various talents behind storytelling. To learn more about Amplify and other opportunities to grow your sales, platform and audience, head over to ProAudioVoices.com and listen out for a short but informational advertisement within this episode. Let's start the show. Hello and welcome to the Audiobook Club. In this week's episode, we're so lucky to be joined by the founder, CEO and empress of Audiobook Empire, Jess Herring. Jess, it's such a joy to have you on the show. How are you today? I'm great, John. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on and taking the time. I really appreciate it. I'd love to begin by asking if you could tell us a little bit about your background and how you first began working in the audiobook industry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I took sort of an unconventional um, path here. Uh, I know a lot of production companies in the industry are run by narrators. Uh, Let me get this out of the way and say I am not a narrator, if you can't tell by my voice, because I get that question a lot. Um, I actually started out as an audiobook blogger. Well, first, I guess, you know, started as a listener and then a reviewer, like on Goodreads or wherever. Um, And then I started the Audiobook Worm, uh, an audiobook review blog, um, because no one in my real life, no one in my family (laughs) listens to audiobooks. uh, And I had all of these opinions and, you know, I wanted to share them. So I started a blog. Um, And then that led to, you know, um, an audiobook promotional company uh, that I ran until uh, early, or I'm sorry, late last year from 2016 to late 2022. And um, yeah, and then from there, the empire, Uh, I was noticing with my promotional work, uh, a lot of uh, missteps and Mm. misinformation about the audiobook um, production process uh, Mm. was happening. And but by the time those authors got to me, uh, it was at the end of the process, you know, because we were promoting and the audiobook was already produced. And yeah. what can you do? Um, so after several years of doing that, I decided that uh, it would be more helpful to these people if I got involved in the process earlier. Um, and a good friend of mine, author Terry Maggart, uh, for years had sort of been not really hounding, but um, consistently nudging me about, you know, uh, actually producing instead of just promoting. Um, And I kept saying, no, 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 no. I don't, you know, that's too much work. I wouldn't know the first thing about it, blah, blah, blah. Um, And then that idea just kind of stuck in the back of my head and it sat there for a couple of years. And um, then I, you know, I really started wondering what if, yeah (laughs) so yeah that's when I decided to take the first steps into uh the production world that's fantastic um 
audiobook empire um i'm sure there are um will be narrators and audiobook folks listening who you know uh, who have already you know familiar with audiobook empires most of them will be but just in case there are a few who aren't familiar could you could you share with us exactly what the audiobook empire is and and, and does absolutely so we are an independent uh, audiobook production house uh, production mm-hmm. and publishing now Um, And we currently cater to independent authors or self-published authors. Mm. Um, That was, you know, the the primary group that I uh, worked with as a promotional specialist. Um, And in my opinion, they are the group that uh, could most benefit from my services, you know, from having someone help you uh, navigate the, the world of self-publication and the audiobook yeah. production process and that sort of thing so um that is the the empire's uh, ideal client i suppose uh, we yeah. work a lot with first time audio authors um you know authors who are, are new to audiobooks and that sort of thing uh, yeah. we produce all genres um a lot of people you know and i can understand where this assumption comes from um, but a lot of people assume that we specialize in fantasy uh, or maybe science fiction fantasy, I guess because yeah. of, you know, the, the castle and the whole empire thing. But yeah. um, no, we, we don't like to limit ourselves. So we'll take on any genre. Um, the only thing that really matters is that it's um, a good book. You know, yeah. we don't care about the genre as long as it's um, high quality. Yeah. I was going to um, ask, well, you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, running a blog and, and being an avid listener for years of audiobooks. So this may not be the case, uh, but just in case it is, I will ask anyway. Um, has uh, has working um, in audiobooks and in this space, doing this with Audiobook Empire, does that expose you to, to maybe genres of books that you perhaps wouldn't have picked up um, previously as a listener but then thought hang on a second I'm loving this like I would have never picked this up if it was just for me but then being open you know being exposed to it through working with the author and you know on that production have you have you found yourself um, you know having those having those feelings as it were absolutely I mean for years I thought that I didn't care for you know personally for yeah. non-fiction um, and then you know through producing some non-fiction uh I've come to realize that you can't really just write off whole genres as a listener Mm. (laughs) um, until you really, you know, don't, don't knock it till you try it, that whole sort of thing. Uh, It really does just come down to the book. And that's why we, um, you know, take on projects on a case by case basis. Um, Like I was saying, it really just depends on the quality of the thing itself and not the label. Yeah. Audiobook Empire also offers consultation and guidance for independent authors. Could you tell us a little more about uh, these services and and what they include? Sure. Yeah. So the consultation is kind of almost like a try it before you buy it, um, which, you know, I'm as a consumer, a big fan of. Yeah. Uh, But like I was saying, we work with a lot of authors who you know, have never made a foray into the audiobook world before. Um, Yeah. Actually, a surprising number of them have never even heard an audiobook. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's basically just a, a sit down, usually like a 30 minute sit down with me over Zoom. Um, and I break down the process for them, uh, give them an overview from tip to tail of the, you know, the whole, we're a full service 
production mm. house. So I give them an overview of the entire process um, from casting to promotion. Uh, and then, you know, as well, if they want to produce with us, Mm. Um, which you know normally normally they do we have a pretty good track record I think I'm I think I'm a, a pretty good closer um, if they want to produce with us then we really dive into each of those stages as yeah. uh, we go along and actually you know go through each stage um, and yeah I mean that's that's yeah. pretty much what it is just a lot of education and guidance and hand-holding that's my specialty yeah. Um, for those, if, if someone came to you and they'd never listened to an audiobook before and they were looking for a recommendation of where to begin, do any do any audiobooks that you've enjoyed that you see as, as a good place to start for someone who's never heard of one before? No, I, I, I don't think I can make a blanket <laughs> recommendation like that. I think I would start by asking them, well, what do you like to watch on TV? Yeah. You know, if they're yeah, yeah, yeah. a big fan of The Walking Dead and The Last of Us, then I would probably um, recommend horror or something post-apocalyptic. Um, I'm in a, a position where I've heard enough across um, a bevy of genres yeah. uh, that I can probably recommend at least one or two um, titles from anywhere on that spectrum. You see, you're you're a lot nicer than I am because if someone asked me that, I'd just say one of mine. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, normally, and I can, you know, I've been known to offer um, promo codes to yeah. uh, friends or you know, in exchange for a review, of course. But yeah, yeah. Um, you know, to get to get people started. Well, here, you know, like it's like when you go to um, like a Sam's Club or a Costco and and it's sample day, and you just kind of walk around, um, kind of picking at, at the little things they have to offer and see what hits your taste buds right yeah absolutely um there are also uh, upcoming workshops and uh, events hosted um by the empire uh, could you could you share with us a little more info about what these events kind of look like and what people could expect um when signing up or registering yeah absolutely so the the workshops actually started with our um, now somewhat infamous cold calling workshop. Uh, I am a big advocate of narrators doing author outreach. Yeah. Um, I think that's how a lot of narrators have heard of the empire is because of that, because we um, actively encourage narrators to, well, take an active role in you know driving the direction of their career instead yeah. of just waiting to see what you're handed or what comes along your way um yeah. start browsing start window shopping if you see something that you know you feel you would be really perfect for go after it i mean yeah. what's the worst that can happen somebody says no <laughs> okay well then you're not any worse off than you were before so um <laughs> I was getting a lot of questions from narrators about how to do author outreach. So I, uh, in true fashion for me, I put together a document, you know, step-by-step, step, well, here's how I would do it and, yeah. and that sort of thing. And then um, so many people were interested in that, that I decided to put together a little Zoom call where I could actually, you know, verbally explain each of the steps and take questions and, and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, and then that was so popular that we started doing it regularly um, towards the end of last year. And then uh, for 2023, we are scheduling a, a cold calling um, workshop 
about once a quarter. Um, and we have other topics that we're doing workshops on now. Um, I think in November of 2022, that was the first time we branched out with a new topic. And mm. um, the the woman, the narrator who runs uh, Clean, uh, I'm sorry, Cat's Meow Productions, our Clean Reads imprint, um, is a, a branding and marketing specialist in addition to being a narrator. So she actually took that workshop and um, shared her expertise with the attendants. Uh, and then for 2023, we decided, hey, let's you know increase the menu. Um, I pulled some of our legionnaires, our narrators, in our uh, little private talent legion Facebook group, and um, you know just asked what topics are on your mind? What, you know, where do you need, what areas do you feel, um, you know, you could improve in some more and, and that sort of thing. And I took the, you know, half dozen most um, requested topics and uh, turned those into workshops with uh, guest speakers. Um, sometimes it's just me if it's something I feel I'm particularly you know um qualified to speak on mm -hmm. uh and sometimes i just pull in a friend who um you know i'm, I'm f fortunate enough to be um i mean i think i'm fairly well connected <laughs> in all corners of the industry yeah. um and i've been very lucky that uh yeah everyone i've asked to pitch in on one of these has accepted um yeah eagerly very enthusiastically uh yeah. actually we have um a workshop coming up on march 18th mm -hmm. so uh yeah if this is airing on the 17th it, it's tomorrow night and y'all can go to the uh website to rsvp and you'll be sent the zoom link for that but it's on um royalty shares investing in yourself uh how to choose royalty share projects that you know are, are less of a gamble I suppose yeah. um so you can you know have a better chance at getting a return on your investment because that's exactly what it is yeah. um, when you're investing time in something you're investing your money well, what I'll make sure to do um, is post the link uh, for that workshop and make sure it's front and center in the show notes so that our listeners can see and, and access that and uh, go check it out. Uh, first of all, so you mentioned uh, being well connected. And I know that we have a mutual friend of uh, RJ Bailey, uh, a terrific narrator who's been on the show many times before. Um, I wondered if you could sort of tell us how, how you and RJ uh, came, came to be aware of each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that Rob and I are close enough um, that maybe he won't get upset with me for <laughs> sharing this. But um, several months ago, when he first applied to be part of our Talent Legion, uh, he filled out his entire application in like medieval speech. <laughs> <laughs> And I got it and was immediately like, as I was reading, it, I was immediately thrilled by it because yeah. like, I love, I love our theme. I think it's fun. Um, some people don't like it, but you know what? Those aren't our people. Yeah. <laughs> there, there are plenty other companies out there that can cater to those people. We like people that, you know, have a sense of fun and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean that we, mm -hmm. you know, take what we do any less seriously, but I mean, if you can have fun working, why wouldn't you? Of course. Um, yeah. So I just, I loved that Rob uh, took that angle 
with his application. But the funny thing was, uh, apparently, as soon as he submitted his application, he had this moment of terror where he thought, oh, no, what have I done? This is a professional situation. What have I done? So he immediately messaged uh, the Empire's Instagram account, apologizing profusely for it. And uh, luckily, I saw it right away and was like, dude, no, like, you're <laughs> in. I love that. Are you kidding me? I want to work with you because I want to work with people who you know, are, are passionate not only about what they do and, and making mm. audiobooks, but um, who want to, you know, have fun along the way. Um, I was drawn to audiobooks out of love, um, not out of any sense of, oh, you know, I wonder if I could somehow make money doing this. Mm. Um, and I keep that perspective with me throughout whatever I do, you know, the, the um, consumer aspect of it the the listener aspect um so yeah that's the empire is meant to be fun um (laughs) and and rob tapped into that perfectly um and we we, yeah it's just a a funny way that we became friends we hit it off right away (laughs) that's so funny rob's the best (laughs) yes um, I saw, and we've done yeah. several projects together, several series. So yeah. he, uh, in fact, did not blow it. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm so pleased to hear that. And uh, yeah, that's that's really funny. Um, I I also saw that there was a um, last year there was a Dungeons and Dragons game um, as as part of the events. How did how did that come about? <laughs> that came about from, and you're you're going to notice a theme here. That came about from um, me getting super into it in real life um, and then thinking, how can I work this into, you know, um, the empire? How can I work it into my work life? Because, um, I mean, I spend most of my time with the empire and with, you know, the legion and... um, work people in in a work environment and that sort of thing so uh my social life bleeds into that pretty heavily (laughs) um I mean I've met a lot of cool people with it Mm. and we started talking about D&D I was telling them that I just started playing and um I was really surprised by the amount of uh narrators in our circle who also played Mm. um and I thought well wouldn't it be neat you know and in keeping with the theme right I love a theme yeah um I thought it would be perfect to somehow incorporate it into the empire. And I found out that Hannah, um, the professional um, mm, insert uh, explanation here. I don't know what all the letters yeah, My mind's gone. Yeah, narrat- sorry, go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Professional <laughs> Narrating Association. Um, we have a lot of friends within that organization. And um, I found out that they were in uh the process of putting together a game of their own but that was still a ways off um and i'm the kind of person you know when i'm enthusiastic or when i'm um eager about something or excited about something i want to act on it right now so i thought okay well maybe we could put together a game or a couple of games um in the meantime and we actually had um, some listeners and some authors who wanted to play 
and a, a lot of narrators. So we just, yeah, I threw names in a spreadsheet, coordinated everyone's schedules, which was easier said than done. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we found, as soon as we found DMs, it was a piece of cake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, now actually, uh, Panna's uh, D&D game is going, I believe they play uh john you may have to check up on this for me i believe mm -hmm. they play on wednesday evenings uh and they play live on youtube which is really cool i don't know if you've seen them i haven't actually um, that's that does sound really cool yeah we are the like the official sponsor of their game um and they're doing it in like oh my gosh just such an amazing way if you've ever seen um oh what's the name of matt mercer's uh D D show um critical role i think is that it i'm not sure <laughs> i think it's critical role um yeah. it's very it, well to me it's very similar to that because these are all professional actors i don't think they're i don't think panos is scripted or anything like that but it's just so much fun yeah uh because you know i'm coming from the real world playing with regular people you know who are not professional actors and that sort of thing and then to watch how they do it with the voices and the improv and I mean you know a lot of narrators have acting experience yeah, yeah. um theater experience and that sort of thing so it's just it's a completely different experience it's next level and they're all doing amazingly it's such a fun idea such a good idea what can narrators do or stop doing that makes your life easier at the Empire? Um, well, that actually brings up a really good point. So the first thing that comes to mind is um, tell your indie authors about us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> because we, you know, the Empire didn't, um, wasn't founded with this in mind necessarily, but I like for my ideas to be given room to grow. And I always like to leave room for, what someone else can bring to it you know mm. what i mean yeah um and it's sort of the empire sort of turned into this hub uh where narrators can bring their authors to me kind of drop them off like i don't mean this to sound patronizing or anything but kind of drop them off with me like dropping a child off at daycare <sighs> yeah knowing that they're going to be taken care of and then you can get back to work right so um our philosophy is that narrators just want to narrate you know we are big um advocates of specialties uh you know obviously a narrator's specialty is narration um we hire uh we have a stellar post-production team um that you know all they do is sound engineering audiobook post-production um yeah. that is their one focus uh, and then for everything else, there's me. <laughs> um, I, I guess I'm a, a facilitation specialist, if you will. Um, yeah. I don't think that it's the narrator's uh, responsibility to educate the author on the audiobook production process. Um, mm -hmm. I hear all the time, you know, narrators get overwhelmed and sort of frazzled um, when they are asked questions about like, uh, distribution and you know going wide versus being exclusive to audible uh, the pros and cons of that and um, promotional options and things like that um, and I mean that's that's understandable because that's outside of your realm of you know that's outside of yeah, your specialty yeah. absolutely yeah um, so yeah we've just kind of become 
the place where you can say, well, you know, I don't know the answer to that, but I know someone who does. And mm. uh, that person is usually me. Um, and if I don't know the answer to it, then I probably know someone who does as well. Um, but yeah, we've just sort of become the hub where uh, narrators can bring me a client, drop them off with me, and then get back in the booth. And I take over from there um, yeah. as, you know, project manager, um, educating the author, guiding them through the process, exploring all of their options and everything like that with them. So um, to answer your question directly, <laughs> the number one thing that narrators can do, uh, whether they are in the Talent Legion or not, uh, is bring me their authors. <laughs> yeah, Bring us clients. Um, for whatever reason, authors usually don't like hearing from me um, as the the initial point of contact as far as um, when I was trying to cold call authors and do author outreach on behalf of the empire, I was knocking at doors and then promptly getting them slammed in my face. Mm. Um, I don't exactly know why that is. I, I don't think I'm scary, <laughs> but um, maybe it's because, you know, when you say, hi, I'm with such and such company and, you know, there happens to be the word empire in the name of that company. It might be a little intimidating. Mm. Um, I do know there are a lot of scams uh, going around, you know, targeting authors and and that sort of thing. Um, the audiobook industry certainly isn't immune to that sort of thing. So I can understand the initial wariness. But uh, I found that when the narrator was making the uh, initial contact. Yeah. Uh, the authors tended to lower their guard more easily for the narrator. Um, maybe it's because they know that a narrator is essential to having an audiobook and they don't necessarily know what a producer is or does or, you know, something like that. Yeah. So um, whenever the narrator is the one recommending that the project be produced through the Empire, uh, the author is a lot more... Um, willing to listen and you know mm -hmm. take them up on that recommendation so that's you know where the the, the narrators doing the cold calling came from as well yeah. um but yeah <laughs> yeah that's a perfect answer and i think uh, i think a lot of our listeners should take that take that on board and find that really helpful um for narrators looking at applying to be a part of the empire's roster um i know that there is an application process that opens and closes could you could you tell us a little bit more about what this process entails? Yeah, yeah. So first of all, the reason that it's not just open all mm. the time um, is sort of twofold, I guess. Um, one, I want to keep our number of narrators relatively small. Mm. Um, I know, you know, other companies have thousands of narrators sometimes, but um, I for as long as we can anyway, um, I would like to keep that small businessy feel, you know, the intimacy oh, yeah. that comes with having a, a tight knit group of people. Um, I know all of our narrators by name. Um, I hope that, you know, that translates into them feeling like they know me and um, can, you know, approach me with a project or a question or, or anything like that. Um, and whenever we, uh, you know, induct new um, talent into the Talent Legion, I like to uh, set up a Zoom call with the new batch of narrators or a phone call here and there, something like that, just to really make that 
personal connection right from the outset and get to know them on a personal level. Um, and you know, so they can get to know me, um, and that sort of thing. So that's the primary reason for it. And the other is I want it to feel special. You know, I want the people in the talent legion to, to feel like they're part of something special. Um, and if it's just, you know, an all you can eat buffet all the time, (laughs) revolving door, that sort of thing, then, um, it, it just sort of loses a little bit of that. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, moving, uh, moving on to, um, perhaps another vague question, which I do apologize in advance. What, what's, what's a typical day in the life for you? Could you take us through like a typical working day, how you, how you structure your day, you know, that, that kind of thing? Um, well, I, I work from home (laughs) well before the pandemic. Yeah. Um, so I, I get up, I have some coffee, feed the cat, and then I immediately sit down and start answering emails. Um, and that email thread follows me, you know, it's sewn throughout my day. Um, Mm. some days it feels like I'm just putting out little fires here and there. Other days, um, I actually, you know, have time to complete a task in one sitting, which is (laughs) notable for me. Um, uh, usually I'll have meetings throughout the day, either with narrators about a particular project or potential clients. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, I have to give her a shout out. I just hired the world's most amazing assistant at the beginning of this year. Uh, her name is Ashley Rose Kaplan. Um, she has been bestowed the title of hand of the empress because oh, she fantastic. is my right hand yeah she's my yeah. right hand um she keeps me together i keep trying to uh, she actually lives in england and i keep trying to get her to move back to the states and like maybe in with me and just follow me around and remind <laughs> me what did i come into this room for what where am i supposed to be right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> she's made i mean she's only been with me for like a month maybe six weeks now and it's just Mm. made the biggest difference um not only in my productivity um but like my mental health I feel like because it's just there's a peace of mind that comes with um knowing that someone's got your back you know what I mean Mm. I mean we've got an excellent team um but they are usually uh, in a, a certain department within the empire and that's their department and they you know come to me if they need something or vice versa but um ashley or kathy as i call her um is with me all the time <laughs> yeah. uh, she's my backup brain so that's really nice um she tells me yeah where and when to be and i go there and i do the things and yeah. then she normally you know says okay go drink some water go stretch go put on some taylor swift and dance around yeah yeah, yeah. um because she knows that i get all of this pent-up energy when i'm chained to the desk for so long but um yeah, yeah that's meetings and emails gonna ask with with working from home and especially you know if you're having to be by your emails or you know at your desk for long periods of time i know that i'm speaking to um, narrators and other folks in our industry who also, um, of course, work from home the majority of the time. Um, it can often feel like you sort of never leave work because you 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 know you work where you live and you're kind of always on call, as it were, which can sometimes be you know to say uh, it bluntly detrimental to mental health and you know your your own sort of willingness to go on with a smiling face, as it were. I just kind of wondered, like, have you any sort of advice on how to? 
you know, kind of not be, you know, overwhelmed all of the time as it as it can often be? Oh, I don't know if I'm the one to be giving advice on that. Um, it is something I am very well aware of and something I battle daily. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've made some strides maybe in the last several months um, as far as uh, taking nights and weekends off and yeah. not being on call 24 seven, um, turning the uh, do not disturb button on my Mac on uh, and just leaving it on all the time has been a game changer because mm. um, used to whenever at any time of day, no matter where I was, because my desk is in the middle of my living room um, and I have an open floor plan. So my living room bleeds into my kitchen. So basically my front room, you know, it's where my desk is. And then yeah. I've got a bedroom in the back, but um, I can hear that ping when an email comes in anywhere in the house. Mm. And I'm the kind of person I can't have a notification that's unread. It's like a compulsory yeah. thing with me. If I hear it, I have to check it. And if I check it, then, you know, it's going to be on my brain and I, I may as well just take care of it now and get it over with. And then I'm working at nine o'clock at night. And why yeah. am I doing that? You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so turning that off where I can't hear the emails as they come in has really helped. I can actually sit down. Uh, and and watch TV now or read or, you know, yeah. do something like that without being interrupted all the time. Um, and going back to Cappy, my assistant, uh, she also kind of inadvertently became my accountability person, uh, accountability yeah. partner. Um, like I was saying, she'll tell me, okay, get up, go stretch, go do something that's not work for a few minutes. You know, you've got an yeah. hour before your next meeting. Um, and she has this personality, which just I, the exact type of person I need in my life where she'll be rather forceful with me about it. Like yeah. it's 6am. Why are you answering emails? <laughs> <laughs> so I have actually thought, oh, wait, I shouldn't answer this right now because she'll see that I answered it at 6am <laughs> and she'll get mad with me. So I better, I better not. <laughs> it's really yeah. effective. Um, yeah. But just, I think it's like anything, it's um, what you get used to. So mm -hmm. I guess my advice would be force yourself into healthy habits until they be actually become habitual and second nature. Yeah. Um, accountability people are great if you have one. Um, if not, make a promise to yourself because that mm -hmm. has worked for me in the past. Um, I have felt guilty on weekends for checking email because I promised myself that I wasn't going to, you mm -hmm. know, do that. And here I am doing it. And if you can't keep a promise to yourself, then, yeah. you know, what's your word even worth to anyone? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's the best I can do right now, I guess. I, th I think that's fantastic advice and something I should certainly follow. I know exactly what you mean as well about not being able to leave a notification unread. Um, that that is the bane of my existence. I was at a a, a, a gathering for um, a family member's birthday a couple of days ago, and um, I, uh, this guy was using his phone in front of me, and I just saw uh, he had twenty three thousand unopened emails. I nearly <laughs> fell to the floor. It was un. <laughs> But I just couldn't cope. I was restraining myself from grabbing and opening every single one. <laughs> no, I have, let's see, right now I have 139 messages across all of my inboxes. And I have like 10 inboxes. Um, wow. 
but that bothers me that I have that yeah. many. Uh, back in August, it was over 300. And then I um, was away out of state for a weekend. And I took my laptop with me. And while I had some downtime, I just like started mass deleting things and yeah. got it down to like 150. So it's been hovering around there. But my goal for the end of every week is to try to get it down to like 125 yeah. or something like that. And then just every week, try to get it a little lower. Yeah. Um, of course, every time that we open the narrator application form on the website, <laughs> that skyrockets. So yeah. now I've learned to like really, really trim that number down before we open that because I know it's just going to be so bloated after that. But yeah. Um, yeah, that bothers me that I still have that many. <laughs> it's nice. Hey, it's nice to be in demand. It's nice that people are people are wanting That's it. That's true. Yeah. Um, I read um that although you work obviously professionally in the industry, um, you are and always will be a listener first. Um, I just wondered what is it about audiobooks as a medium that you love so much? Yeah. Um so I as a child, I was an avid reader. Uh Harry mm. Potter was my childhood. <laughs> um and then as I, you know, got into high school, I actually had a social life back then, got kind of busy <laughs> and then college and grad school. Um, and I just, I, I got so busy with real world things and school things that I didn't have time to read anymore. And I guess mm. at some point in grad school, I just really started to long for those days when I had time to do something that I loved. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. And I just got kind of nostalgic and also mournful because I really thought that those days were gone, you know, mm. that um, reading was a luxury reserved for, you know, the innocence of childhood when you didn't have anything to worry about and that yeah. sort of thing. Um, and then I discovered audiobooks. Um, and it was just this complete game changer for me because it was a way to fit reading back into my life um, so much more conveniently. And I think that's probably the story with a lot of people, a lot mm. of listeners. Um, they are drawn to audiobooks primarily out of convenience mm. um, because you can listen while you're commuting uh, or running, exercising, cleaning the house, waiting, you know, in line to pick your kid up from school or, on an airplane. I've just listened on an airplane. Um, I flew for the first time last month and uh, that was my way of overcoming my, you know, nerves. Yeah. Um, I used to listen as I fell asleep uh, sometimes, but <laughs> then I actually started falling asleep on the books and it was really annoying to have to, re you know, <laughs> rewind yeah, yeah, yeah. every morning. But, um, but yeah, that's how I got into audiobooks. Um, it's I'm, I'm really grateful to the audiobook format for um, bringing my love of reading back into my life in such a handy way. Um, and actually, so uh, when I was in grad school, I actually did my thesis on audiobooks, uh, nice. specifically on, yeah, specifically on um, comparing reading to listening uh, and the different areas of the brain that are stimulated by each of those. Um, and more specifically on the rate of information retention yeah. when you're reading versus when you're listening. And what I found was all the studies say that it's not reading or listening, it's reading and listening that maximize the rate of retention. So yeah. um, I feel like 
I don't maybe uh, I don't want to be the person that blames social media for everything, but um, I feel like there's a tendency to sort of hit those two things against each other mm. oh, yeah. um, and and sort of make them enemies and make, make people feel like they have to choose and, you know, shame somebody for their mm-hmm. choice or that kind of thing. When really reading and listening are natural allies, um, not only is there room for both of them, uh, they work better together. Yeah. Yeah. So, and there's actual scientific evidence to back that up. Um, so yeah, that was really a, a fun discovery. Yeah, I'm so pleased you said that as well because it is it is frustrating sometimes when you see that oh you know it's not real reading if you if you're listening to an audiobook or you know you can either be one or the other and fight it's it's, it's just not not necessary you can enjoy a book when you read and you can enjoy an audiobook listening and it's just enjoyable and yeah absolutely has um has working in this industry changed how you look at and and listen to stories unfortunately yes. Uh, and it has generalized to the point where it has changed the way I hear. <laughs> <laughs> so my ear has become so accustomed to being used to critique uh, speech and, and voices mm. and hear the emotion and what's being said and that sort of thing. Um, I was watching Star Trek with a friend the other night, uh, Deep Space Nine. We're nice. making our way through that. And, you know, in that um, show, a lot of the uh, characters wear prosthetics, you know, on their mm-hmm. face and masks and that sort of thing. So you can't really see the the actor underneath. But I have on several occasions been able to accurately um, identify the actor just from the voice. So, you know, Wally Sean plays the Grand Nagus. And he that's probably an easy example because he has a very distinctive voice. You know, he was, um, what was his name? Vicini in The Princess Bride. Um, But yeah, he's the one that comes to mind. So yeah, Yeah. doing what I do has definitely impacted my life in a lot of ways that I wouldn't have, you know, thought. Yeah, because you're so attuned and then just naturally listening out for the slightest, yeah. I, th- I think it's really interesting. Um, yeah. What's What's a question that you wished you were asked more? Um, I, I I love talking about my family and my home. I love where I live. Um, mm. I live beside family. Um, actually, all up and down the road that I live on, my dad's family lives here, extended family, and everything. So, yeah. Um, I grew up really close to them, and um, I don't get asked about you know, my personal life a lot, um, yeah. which I mean, I guess is somewhat understandable, but um, I don't know, I'm really proud of where I'm from and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So I like being asked, but oh, and my cats, of course, <laughs> you know, they're, they're my kids. I love talking about them. Um, yeah. I think a lot of the people in my circle know about my love for Elvis. Um, yeah. That's where I flew to last month. I went to his home in Graceland in Memphis. Um, so yeah, just, I, I mean, audiobooks are my world professionally, but they are yeah. only, I mean, granted, they are a large part of my world personally as well. Um, yeah. But there are other, you know, other aspects to my personal life. So how was Memphis then? Get, you know, because there's so much, I mean, the, your first time on a plane um, and then getting it to, 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 to go and, and, and to be there. I mean, how was that? Oh my gosh. It was beyond amazing. It was so perfect. Like I was scared 
before I went because not like scared to fly or anything, but I was scared that I was getting too excited for it. And I, I'm someone who likes to keep, you know, I, I, yeah. I try to be a realist, um, keep my expectations pretty level, but, um, I was worried that I was just gonna, um, make it out to be, you know, something that was unachievable, I guess. Um, yeah. but it was, it was so much better than I, ever could have I got to meet his daughter Lisa Marie like four days before she died all of a sudden no way um yeah yeah and um well I tripped in the middle of the living room of Graceland and almost busted my face on a marble column but um I'm choosing to remember that in a you know that almost happened kind of way (laughs) disaster averted um and yeah it was just it was amazing I had my birthday there um celebrated my birthday two days before I celebrated Elvis's birthday there because our birthdays you know are two days apart uh and yeah it was just it was amazing the trip of a lifetime honestly until until the next one I guess oh fantastic but it definitely set the bar yeah it set the bar really high yeah I don't know I don't know you're gonna have to think of something big to beat that because that was pretty cool (laughs) well we're talking about going to um the wizarding world of harry potter in orlando next nice so. oh that's a good one yeah. yeah yeah that's a good one i'm excited for that <laughs> is there a city uh near um near where i live um which it wasn't used as the filming um they didn't film harry potter there um but it was the one of the um influences of Diagon Alley. Uh, which is uh, the shambles in York, and it's this, it's um, all kind of just just looks like Diagon Alley, and I always get the, yeah, I always get excited whenever going going around there. Yeah, that's <laughs> neat. Oh wow. So uh, as we uh, as we bring this episode um, to a to a close, I'd just love to end by by simply asking if you have any upcoming projects that you're excited about that we can look forward to. Yeah. Um... Oh, we have uh, the next installment in the Bubbles in Space series from S.C. Jensen. Uh, It's narrated by Jennifer Blom. I love that series. We've been producing it for, I think, a couple of years now, or maybe almost two years now. We're on the fourth installment. Um, And it's about uh, a cyborg. She's a a cyborg PI uh, with pink hair. Her name is Bubbles Marlowe. And I just, I think she's the best. Um, So that's a really fun series. And I like cyberpunk too. So sci-fi and fantasy are my jam. Um, We also have uh, the the third book in the Kat McKenzie series coming up, narrated by Ali Shea. Uh, I think you've narr- or I think you've interviewed her. I have. I've narrated with her as well. Yeah, I know Ali very oh. well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Very <laughs> cool. Um, and then of course we we produce a lot for ACF bookends, a lot of cozy mysteries. And I just love cozies. I mean, who doesn't really? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um and and we just wrapped up post-production on uh the flight of the Kingfisher which is the first in the Carbon Chronicles series from author Chloe Garner. Uh, That was done with narrator Wesley Scott. It was our first time working with Wesley. I've known Wes for a while, Mm. um, but it was the first time we got to actually work together. So that was really exciting. Um, And yeah, so I'm naming like almost all sci-fi fantasy, but we do uh, a lot of of those two genres. Um, So that's appropriate i guess uh, and we work a lot with uh, narrator 
Laura Horowitz. So we've got, um, I think she's recording Witch Upon right now, uh, which is a very cool fantasy series from uh, Jane Bicker. Yeah. And yeah, I, mean, I could go on and on, really. But um, I mean, I just, I love every book that we do, uh-huh. you know. Absolutely. No, that's fantastic. And and, and certainly uh, th- those titles uh, are going to be, um, yeah, I'm so looking forward to uh, to delving into those titles, as I'm sure that our listeners are um, also. Um, yeah, that brings us just about to a close uh, for this episode of the Audiobook Club. Uh, all of the links to Audiobook Empire and the mentioned events, etc. Uh, will be linked in the show notes. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. And of course, another huge, huge thank you to you, Jess, for joining us oh thank you for having me on let me ramble (laughs) frustrated by the royalty rates for your audiobook annoyed that when the digital distributors say 70 percent royalties they actually mean 70 percent of 50 percent or 80 percent of 70 percent neither of which is an actual 70 percent wishing there was a way to cut out the middleman Yet, you want your audiobook listeners to have a smooth and positive experience, and a direct download sale from your website won't deliver that. We at Pro Audio Voices hear you. Out of our commitment to our author clients, we've created Amplify, a program that provides an actual 65% of the sales price that you set that gives you access to your customers' names and emails so you can reconnect with them and keeps you in the driver's seat. Check it out at ProAudioVoices.com. You'll find Amplify in the marketing menu. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Audiobook Club. This episode was sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, If you have a story you want to bring to life, head over to ProAudioVoices.com to get in touch with industry professionals that can take care of every step of production, as well as offer support and guidance with marketing, growing your brand, and boosting your sales. Once again, that's ProAudioVoices.com. Thanks for listening.